Well, isn't it a real blessing to sing together this morning? I will tell you that for these last number of weeks, it has been very lonely and isolated for me standing back there singing with the praise team. And I'm so grateful just to be able to sing. Congregational singing all by yourself is just not the same. You know, there is a common church sign that you see from time to time, and it spells the word church with one blank letter. And so it is C-H-blank-R-C-H. And then underneath is a question, what's missing? And then underneath that is the answer, you are. And whenever I see that sign, it sort of reminds me, that's a catchy way of reminding us that the church is the people. And we really can't be the church unless we gather. Uh, The Bible makes it very clear that the church is all of the yous who are gathered. Now, many of you have said that you've been waiting for this day. And I know that those of you that are watching online, you are waiting for a future day. Uh, It's been 14 weeks since we have been together on March 8th. How many of you have counted up the 14 weeks? Okay, what one? All right, one, one, is, with, one is with me. Uh, do you know, for many of us, it's the longest time we've ever been away from church. Um, I cannot think of another time in my life when I've been away from the church for over three months. Uh, when this all began... Uh, I had a retired pastor in a conversation with him, and he told me that he thought many people might never return. He said he thought they would just stay home. And as I thought about that, I want to say I actually think just the opposite. I think if you have really experienced the church, you won't be able not to return when you are able when it's safe, when all is clear. Uh, The timetable is going to be different for everyone. We all know that. We all understand that. But I think the desire to return will be the same for everyone. Now, the reason I say that is because if you have truly experienced the church, then you know why we need the church. And this morning, I want to begin a a little series of messages now that we've come back on the church. And today, I want to talk about why we need the church. And I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the passage that Pastor Hank read just a little earlier in Hebrews chapter 10, because this is one of the seminal uh, passages in the entire Bible, particularly the New Testament, as to why it is that we need the church. And I want to particularly this morning focus in on verses 24 and 25. These are verses that really all of us should have memorized. And listen to what, again, God's Word says in verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day 
approaching. Let's just take a moment and bow together in prayer. Father, we have been waiting for this day. We've been longing for it to come. And we're so grateful that we can be together. And we know that those who are watching online who need to wait a little longer before they can be with us are longing for that future day when they can be here. And we understand, Lord, that to be the church, we really need to be gathered. We are your gathered people on this earth representing you. And we just pray now that you would teach us from your word why it is that we need one another. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice, first of all, as we look at this text, that we are told the church is where you have a family. The reason that we all need the church is because the church is the place where we have a family. Now, it's interesting, the opening of verse 24 here in Hebrews 10 literally reads this way. Let us think carefully about one another. Let us think carefully about one another. The word consider in our English Bibles is an intensified form of the word think, and so it means thoughtful attention and deep concern. Uh, one Bible teacher has paraphrased it this way, keep on caring for one another. That's the idea, keep on caring for one another. Do you know, it's the very same word that is used of our Lord in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, where we are told, fix your thoughts on Jesus. It's the very same word, consider Jesus. So think about this. Just as we are to carefully think about Jesus, so now the Bible is saying we are to carefully think about each other. And by the way, doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? If we think about Jesus, then clearly we need to think about what Jesus loves. And what does Jesus love? He loves his bride, the church, doesn't he? And so it shouldn't surprise us when we read, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Now here we read, think very carefully about one another. Now that little phrase, one another, is a familiar phrase through us for us because we see it all throughout the epistles for how we are to act towards one another. Uh, this is the only place, by the way, in the book of Hebrews where this one another concept is found, but it's found 57 times in the other epistles. And you read it all the time. Greet one another. Serve one another, love one another, and now here, think about one another. You know what this is describing? This is describing the activity of a family, isn't it? Families think about each other all the time. Uh, no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I often think about my wife and I think about my children. And these questions go through my mind. How are they doing? Where are they? What are they doing? And oftentimes, as I think about them, I will pause and I will pray for them. That's what families do. Now, I want you to contrast that for just a moment with an experience that I had when I was a student in Chicago. 
Uh, in my senior year, I had a ministry um, in a nursing home on the north side of Chicago. And so every Sunday morning, I would get up and I would get on the L train, I would go to the north side, and I would have this ministry in the nursing home. In that home, there was a Chinese man who was 92 years of age, and he had lived his entire life in Chinatown. He had never learned English. Now here he was in this nursing home with no family. And they said to me, no one ever visits him. He couldn't understand anyone, nor could he talk to anyone. And I say to you this morning, I have never felt such pity for an isolated old man. My heart just went out to him. Well, I had a Chinese friend by the name of Kem Sing Cheng, and uh, he went by Paul. Uh, I went to Kem Sing's marriage uh, in Chinatown when he married Carolina. I'll tell you about that maybe at another time, okay? But um, one day I said, by the way, Paul is a pastor in Hong Kong today, and as I've heard about the unrest in Hong Kong, I've thought about Paul quite a bit. But I, one day I said to Paul, would you come with me and see if you can uh, be a blessing to this Chinese man? So Paul said, sure. So he came with me, and I will never forget, as he met this 92-year-old man, he said uh, he speaks a different dialect to me than me. He said, so I can't speak to him. But he said, my mother knew that dialect as well. And she could speak it, so he said, I can understand him, I just can't speak to him. So Paul got a piece of paper, started writing Chinese, showed it to him. You should have seen that man come alive. He started chattering, Chinese started pouring out of him. His eyes lit up. I mean, the whole room was transformed. Finally, someone understood him. Finally, he could talk and share his story. You know what I've often wondered? What happened when he died? Did anybody come to his funeral? Did he even have a funeral? Do you see the great blessing of having a church? See, when you have a church, you have a family. And that family, they think about you and they care about you. And because they care about you, they support you. One of the hardest things in life is to be forgotten. It's to feel no one cares. It's to be alone. And God has given us the church so we will always have a family and we'll never be alone. Can anyone say thank God for the church this morning? Amen. Notice secondly, second answer to that question, uh, why we need the church, is the church is where you are taught how to live. 
the church is where you are taught how to live. With everything that's been going on in America in the last few weeks, anybody think some folks need to be taught how to live? Look what he says in verse 24. He says, let us stir up one another to love and good works. Now, if we look at the context here of Hebrews chapter 10, what we discover is the commands are based on the three cardinal virtues, faith, hope, and love. In fact, look back at verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And then verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And then in verse 24, let us stir up one another to love. Now in the first part of this wonderful chapter, what we are told is Christ's all-sufficient sacrifice has been accomplished once for all. And because what Christ did on the cross and in his resurrection is all-sufficient, when we repent and put our faith in the Lord Jesus, we are fully forgiven and we have full acceptance by God. Now here's the question. How should we respond? What's the proper response to what Christ has done for us? Well, it's faith, hope, and love. Let me ask you, why is love last? Well, you know the answer. It's because the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. In fact, faith and hope are what enable love. It's our faith in God and our hope in Him that ultimately enables us to love Him. Now, as you look at verse uh, 24, it appears to us like stir up is a very mild word, stir up love and good deeds. That appears to be very mild. But it is actually a very aggressive word. It is a word that referred to a sudden attack or a violent expression. In fact, medical doctors would use the word for a violent shaking. In fact, it was almost always used in a negative or a bad sense. It was an intense emotion stirring somebody up to anger. But here, it's used in a good sense. Inciting or stimulating someone to love, and then the good deeds that follow that love. Now, I have a question here this morning as I look at this. Why would the writer to the Hebrews use a strong dynamic word that is mostly used negatively in a bad sense and use it for love? And here's what I think is going on. You see if you agree with me. The church is the most dynamic place to learn about God's love. Would you agree with that? The church is the most dynamic place to learn about God's love. Love is a communal word, isn't it? You don't learn to love by yourself in isolation. You can't give me a book about love and I go home and read the book about love, and then when I'm finished with the book, say, now I've mastered it. 
I've got love all down because I've read the latest book on love. No. Love, especially God's love, must be learned from other Christians. And the church is the most dynamic place, at least it should be, where we learn about God's love. Now, uh, let me ask you, I want to just make a statement about my experience, and I want to ask you, has this been your experience? I have never found any place with more people who practice real love than the church. That's my experience. Is that your experience? I have never found any place with more people who practice real love than the church. There's an old saying, Christianity is not only taught, but it is also caught. Caught. The responders are not here yet today. And that's been my experience. I have not only been taught my Christianity in the church, but I have caught my Christianity. You see, the church is the place where we learn to live from others. Well, now, notice the third answer to the question why we need the church. The third answer is this. The church is where you are encouraged to keep following Jesus. The church is where you are encouraged to keep following Jesus. There's a lot of discouraged people in our country today. A lot of people that want to give up on Christianity and want to give up on Christ. And I want you to notice what verse 25 says. It's one of the most important verses on why we need the church. Look at it. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Now what that is telling us is we need the church because the church is where we are encouraged in discouraging times to keep following Jesus. Now, there's a very strong contrast here in verse 25. The word encourage is the Greek word paraclete, and we know the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete. That's one who's called alongside to comfort and to exhort, and that's what we're to do for one another. But the word neglect, it means to desert, to abandon, It means to leave in the lurch. By the way, did you notice? There's only two choices here. Only two choices. There's not three choices, there's only two. We can encourage each other, or we can leave each other in the lurch. Maybe we could say we can encourage each other, or we can leave each other in the church. Those are the only two choices. And this verse is one of the most important verses in the entire Bible as to why we need one another. And notice that there are two answers to that question. Number one, we need each other's encouragement. 
because Jesus will come. That's what he means when he says the day is drawing near. Jesus is coming. He's going to judge the world and he's going to deliver his followers. And look what's going to happen when he comes for those of us who know him and follow him. Look down at verse 35 and notice this. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Brothers and sisters, soon we're going to be standing before him. And when we do, he is going to give us what he has promised, and it will be worth it if we persevere. And so we need encouragement to keep following Jesus. Now, you know what? That's the happy part. Here's the less than happy part. Answer number two as to why we need each other. We need encouragement because hard times will come before Jesus comes. Hard times will come before Jesus comes. How many believe that? Yeah, we're going to go through some hard times before Jesus comes. You know, Hebrews was written about 68 AD. That was the very same year that the emperor Nero committed suicide. And prior to that, he unleashed a horrific persecution against the Christians. You know the story, Rome burned while Nero did nothing. After the fire, he was widely criticized, and so he needed a scapegoat, and so who did he blame? He blamed the Christians. If you wonder what it was like for them, look at verse 32. Here's what it was like for them. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those who were treated that way. For you had compassion on some who were in prison because of this, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Have we seen what it's like to have property plundered in the last few days? But notice what he says. You accepted that because you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. You see, we never know what our brothers and sisters are going to go through. And we want to be there for them, to strengthen their hands to straighten their knees so that no matter what they're going through, they will keep following Jesus. Forty years ago, I was a youth pastor in my home church. And I will never forget one day in a business meeting, we had a hot-headed, fairly young Christian man who was quick-tempered by the name of Jim, and he got upset in that business meeting. He uh, stood up, and said some angry things, and then he stormed out into the parking lot. 
On the other side of the sanctuary was one of the most loving men in our church, Mr. Boyer. And immediately, Mr. Boyer jumped up and he rushed out into the parking lot after Jim. Now, you need to understand uh, about Mr. Boyer. He had had polio when he was a child. And so he had a severe limp. And he had to move very fast to catch up to Jim. And so I will never forget watching this man limp as fast as he could to catch Jim out in the parking lot. When you see an older man limping as fast as he can, that is an indelible memory you will never forget. And then here's something else. In his younger years, Mr. Boyer had been just like Jim. Hot-headed, stubborn, impetuous. In fact, when I was just a, a little guy about five, he got into an argument with our pastor, yelled at him, stormed out of the church as well. He didn't come back for 10 years. But you know what he did do? He went to another church where God taught him how to love. And when I was a teenager, about 10 years later, he came back and he was one of the most loving people in our church. I would have loved to have known what he said to Jim in the parking lot. You know why? Jim came back to church the next Sunday. And he remained a member with us. But you know what? I really don't think it ultimately matters what he said to Jim in the parking lot? Don't you think the most important thing is not what he said, but that he pursued him in love? Amen this morning? Now let me tell you another part of the story. Many of you know that a number of years ago we had three deaths in our family in a space of nine months. So we had three funerals in nine months. Jim came to all three funerals. Do you know what you know when a person comes to three funerals for your family in nine months? You know they love you. You know they love you. And Jim had learned how to love. But then there's a sad part. Two years after the last funeral, Jim himself died of mesothelioma. That's a hard way to die. But then here's the glad part. Today, Jim and Mr. Boyer are experiencing perfect love in heaven. How many want to say? Thank God for the church. Thank God for the church. When you have a church, you have a family that teaches you how to live and encourages you to keep following Jesus when the times are hard. And that's why we need the church. Let's thank the Lord for that together, shall we? Lord Jesus, we're so grateful we can be here today. 
And we know that people that are watching online have the same longing that each one of us has had. And we're thankful that you have not only given us yourself so that we can walk this life with a Savior until the day arrives and he takes us home. But Lord, you have given us each other so that we can walk with a family. And we're so thankful for the family here at Bethel. Father, as we pray for one another, we also pray that you would very soon and quickly end this pandemic. We pray that you would restore peace to our country and our world. And we pray soon that the rest of our brothers and sisters can be back with us because we miss each other. And truly, we cannot be the church unless we are the church gathered. And so while we wait upon you during a time of hardness and difficulty, may our love for each other continue to grow. May we find practical ways to reach out to one another that we might be the church not only in this place, but in our community. We're so grateful. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.